Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Thank you, Pastor Steve, for the opportunity again to preach. It's always a blessing uh, to preach to the whole church. It's a different atmosphere than preaching to students. Uh, with students, you kind of have to have the same lingo, which I do not have. I'm oftentimes, you know, baffled by the amount of, uh, the amount that language changes in just a couple years. I was talking with somebody last week about how in my, like, I'm only 24, but the 16, 17, 18 year olds have a completely another language than one, that when I had when I was in high school, which is fitting because today we're going to be talking about how to reach Gen Z. And when Pastor Steve uh, came to me with the idea of preaching well, you're a youth pastor. How would we reach this generation? I was excited because that's the generation that I work with. That's the generation that I'm with. I help out with the children's ministry. I help out with the youth ministry. And this generation is, is, in, is in incredible need. For those of you who don't know, Generation Z, they were born between anybody, anywhere between 2000 2015 and are anywhere between six years old all the way up to about um, uh, 20, 21, 22, 23 years old. And so this generation includes a wide uh, amount of people. And just to give you uh, uh, an idea of the amount of students that we have in our area, in, um, in southeast Florida, all the public schools, high school and middle schools, there's about half a million students. And just middle school and high school alone. And to give you even more perspective, 90% of them do not know Christ. That is an, in, that is an incredibly high number that so many people out of the 500,000 that are there do not know Christ. That means that there's a great work that needs to be done with this generation. So if you guys are opening up your Bibles, I'm going to be in the book of 1 Peter. Um, I'm going to be in verse 5, or chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And if, if you guys didn't bring your Bibles, it's going to be on the screen behind me. And it says this, it says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We pray for you guys. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word, Father. I thank you for um, all of this congregation here, Lord, the people that are here today, Father, and the people that are, that are online as well, Father. I pray, Lord, that, um, that, that your word will be spoken today, Father. I pray that, that um, it would be your words and not mine, Father. I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would flow in this room, Lord, and open our ears and open our eyes to hear from you today, Father. Father, I pray for this generation, Lord, this generation, Gen Z, Father, and everything that's going on, Lord, in this world, Father, all the things that they're struggling with. Father, just help us to, to, to learn how we can reach them, Father. Father, we thank you for, for your word, for your love, and for your grace, Father. And it's in the name that we pray, amen. And so on the, on the theme of reaching Gen Z, we had an awesome opportunity this summer to go to camp. Thanks to you guys, and it was because of your faithfulness that we were able to send our students to camp. And as you can see on the screen, 
when we met, and you guys probably saw the video, I just want to give you a little background. We were able to meet a little boy um, named Jojo Fletcher, and we were able to baptize him. We led him to Christ and we baptized him. And it was an awesome opportunity for us to come in and just meet somebody new, include him in our group, and then and he came to Christ. It's amazing. But it, it, it took work. Um, when we first got there, I remember going to the registration, and they had warned us saying that there may be some people added if your rooms were not completely full, that are individuals and not a part of your church. So I went with that in mind. And when, I got, when we got to the registration, we got there, and I remember seeing two names, two boys um, that, that were not a part of our group but had came as individuals, uh, one from another church, and, and, and Jojo here came uh, by himself. And so my thought is, I've been to youth camps before, and I've been alone. I've, I've been the only one in that group that I know. And so I know how lonely it can be. I know how sometimes we tend to be in groups, and we tend to kind of exclude people. So knowing that, I went in with the mentality of, okay, I'm going to try and make them feel included. And that's what the camp told us. They said, hey, there's been people in your group that might, you might not know. They might not be a part of you, but make them feel welcomed. You know, you got to, you know, try and get to know them, you know, get to know what their stories are, get to know uh, what their experiences have been, and, and try to get them involved, make them feel welcome, make them feel loved, because that's the role that I had as a counselor, to make the, the group, be the spiritual leader of that group, be the example to that group. And like I said, we were able to, think, uh, on the, I think it was the third night, after him being close to us, he, he went wherever we went, wherever we were, he, he was right there with us. He, had a, he, he loved our group, and it was, it was a fantastic time. And on the third day uh, during the service, he came, and he, he went looking for one of us. And, and Greg, thankfully, was able to be there and lead him to Christ. And then on Friday, we were able to baptize him. And that's just an example of, of one of the many stories of people reaching the next generation. And so, as I said, the, there is a lot of people in this generation, but before we can even reach any of them, we first need to understand the role that was given to us, and we need to understand the people. We got to get to know them. We got to get to know what's going on in their lives. And so um, that's what, what, what Peter is saying here in First, in first Peter, uh, the, the first verse, it says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and, as a, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Peter is telling the, 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 the elders in the church, you got to shepherd the flock in front of you. And I, 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 when I first started, some of you guys, like Pastor Steve said, I am, uh, I'm going into counseling. And one of the first things that they told me going into the counseling, I started my internship this summer. And one of the first things they told me in my first class was, you got to know what your job is. And a lot of us came in thinking, well, our job is to give advice. Our job is to, you know, um, you know uh, get people from point A to point B and, and, and you know, uh, fix their problems and help them get through whatever they might need to be getting through. And so that is kind of the job. But as I quickly learned, my job is less to give advice and more to help this person realize uh, 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 what, what they need to do to fix it. And it's, it's more of a self-healing with somebody to guide you, somebody to, to mentor you, somebody to walk through with you, but to do that, first I need to get to know them. And they told us that the first thing, first session, very first session, get to know them. Build a relationship with them. Get to, get to know their story. Let them uh, 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 grow with them so they can share um, what's going on in their life. And lo and behold, as I started my internship, that was the first thing that I did because that was all I knew how to do. <laughs> and so when I went and did that, people would share and they would, they would open up and we're able to process what's going on in their life. And because I got to know them and because I knew the role that I had, 
I was able to help treat and, 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 and walk through them the healing that they needed. And so Peter is calling the elders of the church to do just that. He's calling the elders to uh, shepherd the flock. And you might be wondering, well, what's an elder? And so in the church back then, the elders of the church were the, were the leaders of the church. But it's, it's funny because they use the word elder, but it's not always somebody who's older. Because we had somebody like Timothy in the book of 1 Timothy. It's, it's Paul writing to Timothy of him leading the church. And so the elders were, were these spiritual leaders in the church that are in, uh, that are in charge of, of really shepherding, in charge of guiding the next, the, the younger generation, those who are younger in faith. And then if you read 1 Timothy, he says that you have to be above rebuke. You have to be the example. You're the spiritual leader. You are the people that are looking to you. And so, so the, the, the first step right there is realizing, well, that's the role. That's what it's supposed to look like. Well, what is, what is that job entitled? So the, I like the imagery that, that they use. They use a shepherd to a sheep. A shepherd, what they would do is they would feed they would tend to the, the, their, their sheep, they would guard their sheep, they would guide their sheep, and fold the flock into a, a, this pen so that they can, they can, belo- they can uh, be uh, um, uh, cared for in that, in that parent, in that area. And so what the, sh- what the shepherds would do is they would do all these things. And so the first question you might be asking, well, whose job is it to shepherd the flock? Peter uses the word elder there. But I would tell you, I, say, I would tell you, my response to you would be, are you a spiritual leader to somebody? Are you a leader in the church that is involved maybe on the greeter team? Are you, are you somebody who has a role to play in the church? Are you a parent to a child or a grandparent to a child and are involved in discipling somebody? If that's you, then you might have a role to play in the next generation. Maybe, maybe you're a student still in school, but you have friends that don't know Jesus. You too might be involved in shepherding the next generation. That's whose job it is, the role then, what is that? What are we supposed to do? And so like being a shepherd, the, the, what our job would entitle to the next generation, it may involve feeding them the word of God, giving, giving them uh, the biblical, what the Bible says, giving them, feeding them uh, what Jesus uh, said to do, how he loves us, um, all the things that the Bible says. But it also may involve tending to their needs, tending to their brokenness. If a sheep were to get hurt, the, the shepherd would tend to them. This generation is full of brokenness, they're full of fears, they're full of worries, and our job might be to, to, to meet them where they're at and, get, and, 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 get, and show them the love of God. It may involve guarding them from the lies of their peers, because there's a lot of bullying going on in this world. There's a lot of, 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 of uh, negativity going on, a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, hateful speeches, a lot of people being put down that they're starting to believe the lies that they're being told, that they're not good enough, that they're not worth it. They're good for nothing, and they're starting to believe these lies. We need to be a place where we guard them against the lies of the enemy, and we show them the love of God and who God says they are. It may involve folding the flock and making sure that there is a place for these, these, young, this, these students to belong, these young generation to belong, a place that is free from hurting and the brokenness that they face. We need to be a place that's different than their homes, a place that's different than their school life. We need to be a place that is open to whatever, whatever, whatever person is out there. We need to be a hospital to the sick. And this generation has a lot of that, you see. Um, but we'll never be able to shepherd the flock unless we know who they are and what they're going through. There's a relationship. Just like when counseling, we need to grow in relationship with them so that they can share with us their burdens and so that way we can lead them to God. 
And you see, um, uh, the flock is also important. We need to know who they are. It might be your children. It might be the, the students at this church. It might be the people that are walking into this church. It might be the friends that you have that don't know Jesus. We got to get to know them first. And so I, the next portion I want to share with you guys, some statistics of the research that I found of this generation. And it's not all of them. It's not every single thing, but it's some of the most important ones that I found, and I want to share them with you. And so the first thing that we see about this generation is that they are the most diverse generation. 48% of Generation Z in the U.S. are non-Caucasian. And that means that they're for, um, uh, that 48% of them are not necessarily white. They might come from a different background. They might come from Hispanic backgrounds, from Asian backgrounds, from African-American backgrounds, come from different islands. They, they, we have people in the United States, and they're incredibly diverse. In fact, 75% of Generation Z in the United States indicate that they have friends from different backgrounds, different race, different beliefs, different cultures. There's a wide variety of people in the United States, and they're all different. And then on top of that, uh, Gen, Gen Z is, is aware of this diversity, and they're, they're, 58% of them believe that it's important to not offend other cultures and other ethnicities. They don't want to, you know, discriminate against other people because they understand what discrimination can lead. They understand what racism, how racism affects the, uh, the, the, the next generation. They understand what the effects of all these, this, this hurt can lead to. And so they don't want to offend anybody. But at the same time, in all the diversity and all the awareness, they don't know how to be different. They might be different than their peers, but they don't know how to, how to, how to be different amongst them. They're quickly influenced by the, the beliefs of other people. They're quickly influenced by opinions, by the, whatever the popular opinion is. And they're quickly and easily shaped by whatever's going on in, in the world around them. And a lot of times, uh, along with that, not wanting to offend people, oftentimes 7 and 10 rarely or never talk about religious or spiritual things. They don't want to share their faith because they don't want to offend anybody. And so not only are they the most diverse, but the second thing I found is that they're the least religious generation. And that's, that's incredibly, that's, that's an eye-dropping thing. As, as we're going to see, it, it, the, the first thing I found here is to, from 2016 to 2020, the number of Gen Z that identified as Christian dropped from 58% to 51%. That's a big drop of, of people leaving the faith. And then on top of that, in that same time frame, the most uh, grown category are the people who identified as atheist, agnostic, or none of the above. And just to give you some framework, what that means is that, that the people that were leaving the faith were now identifying more with um, not knowing if there's a God out there, not knowing uh, or believing that there is no God out there, or just giving up on religion altogether, and they just don't want to have any part of that. So we got all this going on, and then, and then the people that are in the church, 50, the 51% that identify as Christian, only 8% display the belief and habits of a committed Christian. The studies show that more and more they're reading the Bible less on a, on a daily and a weekly basis. More and more they're, they're, they're not going to church as much. The church attendance is dropping from a weekly basis. They're not sharing the gospel. They're not, they're, not, they're not telling their friends about Jesus. All this stuff is dropping on a, on a daily basis. And then the third thing that I found was that they are digitally connected, but they're isolated at the same time. The studies show that two and three teenagers say that they are connected online. And of those people, they average about seven and a half hours online daily. That is a lot of time to spend on social media, 
to spend on, on Instagram, TikTok, uh, YouTube, Netflix, all these kind of different things. There's a lot of, uh, uh, they're spending a lot of time online, but at the same time, there's, there's a, this correlation between screen time and increased rates of unhappiness, increased rates of depression and even suicide. There's a lot of brokenness going on, and it seems like social media can act to amplify it because they're stuck on it all the time. And then 49% of teenagers who, are, who, who spend more than 13 and a half hours on social media a week say that social media sometimes or often makes them feel sad, anxious, or depressed. we got a generation that is all in their phone, but it's making them sadder and sadder. And all these statistics sound concerning, and they're all, they're all, they're all pretty concerning. The last one, 35% of teens report having suicidal thoughts within the last three months. There's a lot of mental health issues going on in this young generation. They're dealing with a lot of anxiety. They're dealing with a lot of trauma at home, at school, and they have a lot of brokenness, and social media is not answering them. Their friends are not answering them. But there is good news in this generation. Like I said, they're increasingly aware of diversity, and they're empathetic to not harm other people because they see how racism affects people. They see how discrimination affects people that they don't want to do it that they don't want to be a part of it, so they're, 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 they're cautious, they're empathetic to not be a part of that. So Gen Z, the second thing, Gen Z that is leaving the faith, they're not leaving because of anger towards God, they're not leaving because, uh, or a majority of them are not leaving because uh, they have some anger towards the church, but in fact, they're disinterested in the church, and they feel like they don't have any reason to really be at church. Now, if that doesn't say anything, that then, then maybe we should be start paying attention because if they're disinterested in church, then they're missing out on not just community, they're missing out on Jesus. And so, but out of that, out of those teenagers that are not attending church, the ones that don't attend church are more likely to go and they're more likely to say yes if invited to go. So even though they're not going, they would say yes if invited. And the last thing I see is that social media allows Gen Z the opportunity to be creative and show their true selves and be authentic. Even though too much time on social media can be harmful, it is a great opportunity, contrary to belief, that it gives them an opportunity to be authentic, to show their creativity. If you guys have ever heard of TikTok or have ever shown, seen anything on TikTok, you'll see any, uh, everything and, and you'll see creativity. You'll see people coming up with dances. You'll see people singing, some people sharing their faith on there. You see all this creativity and it's an outlet and they're pouring out all their talents and all the, the skills that they have but they're overusing it. So you see, knowing this generation now gives us insight on how to shepherd them, but there's a relationship that needs to be built between us and them. And as you see, there is some attitude and some behaviors that come along with, with shepherding the next generation. I don't know about you guys, but have you ever, guys, have you ever had a boss that is um, completely terrible to work with, they're, they're uh, over, over uh, they, they micromanage everything. They, they don't care about what you're going through. They don't really understand the situation that you're going through. And it just makes the job so much harder. Yeah. Uh, when, I was, when I was in Home Depot, I had several bosses that were exactly like that. But then I remember I had one guy who actually cared about us. He actually understood where we were coming from. And in fact, he would come to work early and stay later than he was actually supposed to just to make sure that we had uh, enough, uh, that we had the support, that we had uh, the help, and that, that we were um, heard, and that, that, that we could get the job done. And on top of showing up for us, on top of caring about us, he actually tried to get to know us. 
He would be there on the, when I was working, when we were working in the back, we were unloading trucks and putting on a conveyor belt and then throwing them into different areas. And he would take the time to know our names. He would get to know us. He would ask us how our day is going. He was, he was a good boss and he cared about us. And then every so often he would, he would treat us to food. He would get the Home Depot to buy us some Chick-fil-A. And he would actually, you know, he, he not just cared about us, but then he also let his actions speak for his words. He didn't go behind our back and talk bad about us. He stuck up for us, and he was the example. He came in early, and he stayed late, and he, did, he was a hard worker, and he was the example. Well, as we see here in 1 Peter, it says that uh, 1 Peter, uh, Peter is talking to, for us to shepherd the flock of God that is among us, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willing as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. This is a specific attitude, and this is specific behaviors that come along with being a shepherd. And Peter assures us that the shepherd should be willing. They should be eager. They should, they should be willing to be there. They shouldn't be like, well, I'm forced to be here, and you know, I don't really want to be here. They should be willing to be there and eager to be there to help uh, the, 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 the flock and whatever they're going through. They need to do what, what they can to benefit the flock. And that means not, it's not about you. It means that, that you're, you're going to do anything in your power to, to reach them. You're going to love them where they're at. You're going to help them get through what they're going through. And it's not about you. And then he says, without abusing your authority, yes, there's like an authority. And as we're going to see later, there's a relationship um, um, between elder and the, the younger. And, and so there's this authority, but you don't have to abuse that authority. There's an attitude and a behavior that is involved in shepherding the next generation. But why is this important, you might ask? Well, Gen Z needs spiritual leaders in their lives that want to be there, that want to make them feel loved because their parents might not feel, make them feel loved, their peers might not make them feel loved, their, their, the rest of their family might not make them feel loved. They need people in their lives that are going to be there for them, that are willing to be there, that are eager to be there and meet their needs. They don't necessarily need strict Bible teachers that are going to shun them because they didn't bring their Bible or they don't know the passages that we're reading or they don't know the books of the Bible. Yes, we need to teach them. We need to build them up in the word of God. But at the same time, we need to live the word of God. They need people in their lives that are going to be the example to live how to live like Christ. They need to uh, share the gospel. They need to share the Bible and also live what's in the Bible. Their attitudes need to reflect that. Maybe your parent and, 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 and your, um, the way you speak to your kid might not be um, the same way, the, the loving, the, the caring. Yes, they need to be disciplined. I totally understand that. I've been there. My parents, my parents know that very many. But at the same time, we need to be loving. We need to be empathetic to what they're going through. This generation, they need godly people that will show them the importance of staying connected to the church because they feel disinterested. They feel like they don't need the church and they feel like they, they'll just go find God somewhere else. They need, they need people that are going to be there and show them that, that being in church, being connected to not just Jesus, but get connected to godly community is essential to life. They need prayer warriors that are going to show them how to pray. They're going to pray with them, pray over them, and, 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 and let God intercede on their behalf. And they need to show them how important that is to their lives. But at the same time, they need couples that live in purity that will show them that, 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 that how to live in purity and how to live godly relationships because there's so many broken relationships out there. 
Just turn on Netflix, turn on Hulu, turn on any of these, these uh, 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 major uh, uh, mainstream uh, media and t- TV, and you'll see just how the, the perception of what relationships should be like, and you'll see just how impure they are and how, how broken they are at the same time. They need people in their life that are going to be the example for them. They need mentors that will show them how to have a healthy relationship with social media. Because, again, if you're on it too long, it is clearly, uh, there's correlation that is clearly uh, uh, hindering them. It's clearly making them upset, making them anxious and more depressed than they were in the past. More importantly, they need a place where they can belong, where they feel safe, a place where they are loved and comforted, a place where they can serve with their creativity, a place that, that, that where they're empowered to live like Christ, a place where they, they don't, the people don't look at their actions, they don't look at their actions first, but they look to try and make them feel belonged, because oftentimes, you know, we see somebody who's, who's misbehaving, and we act, we, or we're actually looking at the actions, but we don't see the brokenness that's at home, we don't see the, the depression or anxiety that they're facing, they, we don't see the bullying that's going on in their schools, because guess what, hurt people hurt people. But when we love them, when we make them feel like they're loved and we give them a place where they don't, they don't experience those same hurts that they experience in the rest of their life, that's where the true change starts happening. You see, teens will only be led to a place where they see us go. They'll only be led to where they see you go. If they see that, that your lifestyle here at church is one way and your lifestyle at home is a completely another way, if they see that, that you're very loving at church but then you're very angry outside of church and on social media, that is the example they're going to follow. And we cannot ask this generation, we cannot ask this generation that is losing religion and losing uh, faith and spirituality and is so broken to, to not be broken and to, 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 to read the Bible more if we're not going to do it. This generation is only going to be led to a place where they see us go. And you see, that task might be hard because it might be hard to parent. This generation, this, this rebellious generation, uh, they might be going through so many problems that, that, that you're seeing a lot of uh, behaviors and that you're not agreeing with. And maybe you're at church and you see these people that are disruptive. You see, you see these teenagers and these students that can't focus, they can't pay attention. And it's hard. It's a hard it's a hard job, but the task, it may, though it might not be easy, the rewards are worth it. The rewards that come with it, and as we continue, uh, uh, Peter says this in verse 4, he says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfailing crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, uh, be subject to the elders, clothe yourselves all with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You see, there's this reward that Peter is talking about. He's saying, he's assuring the church that whenever they answer the call to shepherd the flock and faithfully serve, God will reward them. That there's this glory, this crown of glory that is going to be given to them when Jesus comes back. And, and uh, when you look at this word glory, this, 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 this word of being in the presence of God, the, the, the commentators say that it has infinite intrinsic value and worth. That when we're connected and we're, we're faithfully serving, that we're going to be rewarded with, with this crown of glory that is infinitely and has infinite interest, intrinsic value and worth. It's more than we can ever ask for. It's more than we can ever need. And my question is, isn't that something that is worth giving to the next generation? 
There was this pastor at camp, and he said this, this quote at the, on, the last, on the last night of camp, and he said, he, he asked this question, he said, what is worse than going to hell? He said, taking somebody with you. And then he said on the opposite, what is better than going to heaven? Taking somebody with you. You see, when we are shepherding the flock and we answer the call and we're faithfully serving Jesus, at the same time, we're allowing God to work on their behalf. We're allowing God to, to, to come into that brokenness and bring them back to him. That's something that's worth uh, more than anything. It has infinite intrinsic value. You see, when we faithfully represent Jesus, we pave the way for God to work in the lives of this generation. And when we step up to the plate to lead Gen Z, when we're there mentoring them, when we're there being the example, we're showing them how to love, how to read the Bible, how to, how to pray, and we're, we're showing them all these, these, these ways and how to live like Christ, in reality, we're giving them an opportunity to accept the call that God has on their life. We're giving them the opportunity to receive the same reward. You see, there's a million boundaries between God and Gen Z right now, but are you going to be one of them? You see, oftentimes we get into, our, we get into God's way. We, we step in and we say, well, God, I don't want to do this. This, this. this job sucks. They don't listen to me. They don't care about me. They're behaving in, uh, poorly. They're all the, they have an attitude. But we're not seeing the brokenness. We're not seeing what's going on behind the behavior. And on top of that, God goes a step further. He says, clothe yourselves in humility, all of you. And I want to paint that picture, that painting that picture, that clothing and humility is the same way as a slave would, would put on an apron to go serve somebody. And it's the same picture that Jesus gave us when he went and washed the disciples' feet. He went and he, he, he put on an apron on, he put on a garment on, and then he went and he uh, washed his disciples' feet. You see, uh, when we go and we, we shepherd the generation, this next generation, we need to get out of our own way. We need to be humble. We need to say, well, it's not about me. It's about them. And wherever, God, you're going to lead me, that's where I'm going to go. No matter what the behavior, no matter what the attitude that they might have, I'm going to be there for them because they need somebody. And more importantly, not only do they need somebody, but they need Jesus. Because Jesus is still the same that he was uh, uh, 1,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, and he's still the same today. He's still a necessity in these kids' lives. You see, it's time to get to work to reach this generation because they're further and further distancing themselves from God. And I want to close with this, with this last passage um, from Matthew 9, 36 through 38. And, it's, and Jesus says this, and it says, When he saw the crowds, he had anger towards them because they didn't listen, and they kept following the same patterns that they did before and their generations before. No. What does he say? He says he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, it's funny that they keep using the, the, the analogy of sheep to a, a shepherd to a sheep because guess what? Sheep, they're vulnerable creatures. They're creatures that stumble and they walk and they stray away. They're ignorant and they don't really know where they're going and they completely fall off track and they need a shepherd. They need Jesus in their life, and they need people that are going to lead them to Jesus. And then he continues, and he says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There's a, a, a 500,000 uh, uh, middle school, high schoolers, 90% uh, uh, of them don't know Jesus. There is a large harvest, but the workers are few. And then he says, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. 
You see, we need to be uh, a people that is willing to go into the, into the, out into the world and, and reach this generation. We need to, the, the, the harvest is plentiful, but we need to be there to shepherd them. And I remember when I uh, was first called into youth ministry, um, uh, I, I was about uh, 20 at the time, it was about 2017, and I remember uh, the opportunity arose, uh, the Spanish church, to, to, to step in and somebody needed to lead the, the, the youth group because we had nobody and we had a lot of teenagers at the time. And um, so I said, instead of paying somebody, I'll just go and do it. I'll do it. Don't worry about it. I got it. And then after um, that, that time, we had an opportunity to go to a camp, and I was invited to become a counselor at the camp. And I remember going to this camp, and I'm like, okay, I can do this. I, you know, I grew up in church, so I know a thing or two about the Bible. I know Philippians 4.13. I know John 3.16, so I'm good. That's all I need. <laughs> and so I went with this attitude that, you know, I'm going to do this thing. You know, I'm just, I, I was so prideful. And I remember when I went there the first day, um, I, I had initially wanted to be with the 16 to 18-year-olds. And then thank God that I didn't go with that group because I would not have been able to handle it. I would have not slept. They, they, they played pranks. They were up all night long, and they didn't let anybody sleep. So thank God I wasn't with them. But I remember when I, when I started, uh, when I got there the first day, they showed me the group that I was going to be with. And they, the group that I was with was the 12 to 13-year-olds, not the 16 to 18-year-olds like I expected. And then on top of that, I wasn't even the main counselor. I was a co-counselor. I remember being so filled of anger and, and frustration on that first couple nights that I didn't even want to be there. I wanted to go home. And so, like, I'm here in this place. I'm supposed to be the counselor. I'm supposed to be the example. And I'm over here filled with anger. My attitude clearly showed that. And I remember, like, being so full of myself at that time. And then I remember as I started talking to these people, I started remembering that it's not about me. Sometimes I need to get out of my own way and let God do the work. God opened my eyes and he showed me that there is this generation that needs God. They need Jesus in their life. And he was calling me to go work with them. He was calling me to get to know them, to, to, to understand the problems that they're facing and be empathetic towards them, to give them a place to belong. And God opened my eyes that, that, that week, and, and I, after that, I knew that I had to go back and I had to, to start working with the youth, to start working in youth ministry, because there is a lot of brokenness in this world. And maybe you're hearing this today, and you're wondering, well, how can I fit into that? You're talking a lot about uh, helping reach this next generation, and you might be questioning, well, how can I do that? I want to give you a couple of simple things that we can do. First and foremost, love them. Give them a place to belong before they have to be, be, believe and behave in a specific way. Because oftentimes the behavior that they start off with is because of the hurt and the pain that they're dealing with. It's because of the, the, the anxiety that they're going through that they're behaving a specific way. We've got to give them a place when they walk into this church that they feel that I can come in and I can be safe. I can talk to you. I can share with you what's going on in my heart because their burdens are heavy. Their shoulders are, are heavy with all the burdens that are going on. And the, the, the next simplest thing that you can do is just pray for this generation. Maybe you feel that you're not called into youth ministry, but you don't have to be a youth pastor. You don't have to be a youth leader. You don't have to be a children's worker to pray for this generation. You don't have to be uh, 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 the pastor of the church to pray with somebody. And sometimes these people need somebody to pray with them. They need somebody to pray for them because revival needs to happen in this generation. Or else the, 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 more, the, 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 the numbers are just going to keep going up and it's gonna, we're going to be higher and higher and higher of people that are losing and walking away from faith. Maybe you're a parent today. And you're, you're, you're trying to disciple your, your child. 
It might, you might need to start by being the example. Look at how you're, you're speaking with others. Look at how, how you're loving on others, and they will surely follow. I was writing a paper, and one of the things they asked me is, how did my family of origin affect me as a counselor? And I remember as I was writing that paper, I was like, well, I got, I got the empathy out of the, from them. Because they would love others. Whenever, whenever somebody needed help, they would be the first people, to be, uh, first people that would show up. If somebody was sick at the hospital, I remember my mom and dad would go to the hospital and reach out to them and, and, and love on them and pray with them. I remember um, uh, uh, the love that they, they expressed to other people, I got it from them. The desire to work in ministry, the desire to, to, to preach the gospel, I got that from them. If you're a parent today, be the example to your child. Be the example to, 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 uh, to your children, your grandchildren, because they need somebody that is going to show them how to get to Christ and how to live like Christ. Maybe you're a student today, and you're, you're, you're hearing all these statistics about this generation, and you're like, well, I do not follow that. I am not a part of that, and thank God I'm not a part of that. Well, then be the example to these students. Your friends, their families, your cousins, all these people that are, that are, are, are broken, that are dealing with all this anxiety, need somebody to be led to Christ. And like the statistics show, they're more likely to, be, uh, 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 they're more likely to attend church if you invite them. And even if they don't invite them, keep praying for them. Keep inviting them until they are, they do open up their heart and say, okay, I'll come to church. Because there are so many stories, uh, testimonies that start up. Somebody at, 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 at X school, a friend of mine, invited me to church, and then I got saved. Maybe you're a spiritual leader in the church, and you're serving on the greeter team, or you're serving on the, the tech team, or you're serving on another team, well, get, make, this, make FBC Del Rey a place where students can belong. A place where they feel loved before they feel like they have to change. Because a lot of times they feel like they're overburdened with, well, this is what the Bible says, you need to act this way, and, and all the stuff that is going on in their life, they're not ready for that, and they need first, they need a place to belong before they go and believe. We need spiritual leaders in this life. That are going to show, show this generation Jesus. That are going to mentor them. That are going to tend to their needs. That are going to love them when nobody else will. And empower them to live the life that God called them to. Be the example. Because guess what? Gen Z still needs Jesus. The answer, even though the statistics are showing all these problems that they're facing, the answer is still Jesus. And we are the ones who are going to be able to give it to them. And as you can see, it's going to take all of us to reach this generation. So because of the reward that we have in Jesus, let us humbly shepherd the next generation that is among us with the right attitudes, the right behaviors. Be the example. As the worship team comes up, I'm going to, I'm going to pray for you guys. And maybe you're, you're hearing this, and I would ask you to consider what role you can play in shepherding the next generation. Whether it's serving on a team here, serving in the youth ministry, serving in the children's ministry, serving in nursery, whether it's, whether it's uh, being uh, uh, on the front lines and, and, giving and, and, and smiling and, 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 and showing them that they're loved and telling them that they belong here, I would ask you to consider what role you can play in shepherding this generation. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com 
Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.